Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. And I'm so excited again to have another amazing guest. We have Samantha Sund. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. I, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I've been trying to book her for a few months now, <laughs> and we finally landed her. So I'm excited to have her on. She has an amazing story. I've known Sam now for probably going on four years. Um, and I met her at Wasatch Recovery, and she's got an amazing story. Uh, I do have to give thanks to our sponsor, uh, Ver uh, Veracity Networks, and Drew Peterson for making that sponsorship possible. Uh, they're an amazing company that's allowing me to get uh, this uh, podcast, this belief cast out to more people. And I'm excited because a lot of people are going to hear your story, Sam, and uh, they're going to be blown away. And you're doing such amazing things right now. If they only knew, but here we go. We're going to share your story. So again, welcome and thanks for being on. Awesome. Well, thank you. You bet. So let's just start from the beginning a little bit here. Tell us a little bit about you and your family and where you grew up and kind of go from there. Okay. Um, so I am originally from Evanston, Wyoming, Okay. Uh, born and raised. Uh, super small town. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really small town. Very Nothing small. Much yeah. to do there. Um, but I have my mom, my dad. I've got two older sisters and then I have a little brother. Okay. Um, he just graduated high school yesterday. Oh, right so on. Super exciting. Yeah. Um, but I grew up there. Um, I, I, I've always been like super outdoorsy fun stuff right. like that that's kind of what i grew up doing i mean when you're in a small town there's not much else to do right so, so let's go outdoors yeah right? outdoors yeah. um did you enjoy it i mean did you uh, yeah. like it or did you ever wish oh, i wish i was in a bigger city or um, did you not even think of that i mean i feel like i feel like it can go either way i feel like people in a small town always want to live in a city and sometimes people in a city always want to live in a small town right but i kind of always wanted to eventually get out of that town right but, <laughs> i mean now but yeah does your family still live up there or, or your your parents or um no so my dad has actually worked in salt lake for quite some time since i was like in middle school oh right okay yeah so he commuted for many years wow yeah so actually when me and my sister were in treatment they picked up and moved down here okay yeah. i think i remember that now yeah so they yeah it kind of gave them the final push that they needed to yeah, get out of that be town. close to you guys while you're going through what you were going through. Yeah. Plus, he worked down here, so it made sense. Yeah. Right? So okay. Now they're all now we're all down here, which <laughs> is crazy. But yeah, yeah, we're all in Salt Lake. Yeah. So, um, growing up in Evanston, w other than the outdoor stuff, you know, what did you do like in school and high school and things like that? Do were you involved at all with anything outside um, of you know the stuff we're going to talk about? I was really involved with dance um, ever since I was a really little girl. Um, that was something I, throughout everything, I was always super, super passionate about. Um, yeah. So I was really involved with that. I was on the high school dance team. Um, I had a lot of good friends growing up um, that we all lived on the same street. Yeah. Um, and then once I got into high school, I kind of, kind of secluded myself a little bit more. I mean, I still had my dance girlfriends, but... Right definitely secluded myself a lot more throughout high school but right. yeah well you know and again one of the reasons why I'm having you on today is because of you know you've you've gone through an uh, addiction and and uh, I mean you're lucky really to be alive honestly oh, and, for I, sure. and I know you know that um, yeah. our listeners don't and uh, so let's talk about how that kind of started to play a role in your life and when you got started you know, with the drug scene, I guess, is what you would say. And when did that start and how old were you? Um, so I grew up in a really religious family. Um, and I don't know, I never, I never really felt like I fit in. I never really felt like I had a place, I guess you could say. Okay. I always kind of felt like on the outside. Um, and throughout my freshman year, like eighth grade, ninth grade, um, I really started to develop a lot of like depression, anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when you're like that young, you don't really know what it is, right? Yeah, so right. I just kind of was like always feeling less than or not good enough or like just overwhelming, overwhelming feelings all the time. Yeah. And I didn't understand it. I mean, nobody really does truly. Um, right. But it does run in my family. And I remember always wanting something and I could never figure out what it was. And like dance gave me a little bit of that, right? So it gave me a little bit of 
passion and desire but like outside of that like I felt like I didn't have anything you know right um and so about my freshman year so I was probably 14 14, 13 14 13 wherever that is yeah um I had my first drink and Mm. um I remember the first night I drank and I I finally felt like oh I found it you know I found that one thing that was missing that I needed I need I felt numb for the first time you know that feeling of not being good enough or self-doubt it was just kind of suppressed and I felt good and I felt numb and I didn't have like this constant overwhelming anxiety or anything like that and I was just like oh as the big book says I've arrived you know at this feeling of like oh my gosh, this is it. I've made it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Which uh is so funny that that's the first thing you think, but you know. (laughs) Well, like you said, as a kid struggling with anxiety and depression, not knowing what it really even is, and then you have this experience with this drink and you're like, whoa, that that kind of makes me feel somewhat normal. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people are kind of caught in that. So so go from there. Let's just kind of, let's hear what happened from that point forward. So... From there, I kind of, I mean, like I said, throughout middle school too, I just felt like the odd duckling, like I just didn't fit. And once I started to branch out in high school and started drinking, I kind of went into a different scene, right? So I had all these really great friends growing up that were super religious as well. And obviously when I switched paths and switched friend groups and stuff, like I kind of lost that, right? Along the way, like I kind of pushed myself away from them. Um, which granted I probably wouldn't have wanted to be associated with myself at that point (laughs) either, but, um, it became like an obsession. So like all week I would be looking forward to the weekend so I could drink and just get trashed. And I remember like every time I would drink, it wasn't just to drink. I would drink to the point of blacking out and not knowing where I was waking up confused Mm -hmm. and you know, that's not really people that drink don't really drink just to black out every time you know but that was like my goal every time was to get so drunk that I would just pass out and and it's weird that that's something that I looked forward to because that feeling of you know self-doubt and emotional stress and anxiety depression like that was the only thing that made that feeling go away right you know and um, did your parents have any idea at that time or were you trying to hide it from them or did they know or I mean, I, I mean, they might have a different opinion. <laughs> I felt like I hit it pretty well, but right. probably not. Um, my sister was also, my sister's three years older than me. Um, so when I started drinking, my first drink was actually with her. She was a senior. I was a freshman. And this is Hannah. This is my sister, Hannah. Yeah. Right. And um, so they had kind of found out about her and what she was doing. And I feel like a lot of the focus was on her. So I kind of just kept doing my thing. Right. And as long as the focus is on her, I'm good, yeah, right? So right, I'll fly under the radar. Yeah, here. I'll fly under the radar. They don't know a thing, which <laughs> come to find out they probably did. Right. Um, but I also was throughout this like drinking and toxic lifestyle I was trying to live. Um, I also was in a relationship all through high school um, okay. and after high school for a long time. And it was very, very toxic. Okay. Um, it just was it kind of fueled the fire, I guess I would say. Okay. Um, so at an early age, especially being that young, like when you're getting cheated on or like whatever, when you think it's the love of your life and it crushes you (laughs) and like normal people would be like, you know, I'm done. I'm breaking up with you. Like you're out of my life. I can cut people and immediately recognize like red flags all over the place. Right. But instead I would question like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what do Mm. I need to fix? Instead of being like, what is your problem? Like, this isn't you. This isn't your fault. But that's how I was, like, all growing up. Just like, what did I do wrong? Like, and just immediate self-doubt of like, it must be me, you know? And no other outside source. Um, So that also played a role in my drinking. And um, I remember I'd I'd get so trashed and just black out that they would end up having to call him or a friend to come get me because I I got to the point where people didn't know what to do with me like if I'd pass out or something they were just like what do we do (laughs) we can't leave her here we can't take her home we can't like we don't know what to do um or my sister would have to come like save me or whatever it was you know um and pretty soon 
that whole this is it i found it kind of dies yeah, right? right and eventually i felt like i needed something more yeah and i started getting into more of a party scene and dabbled with cocaine and that's again i got that feeling of oh this is it this mm. isn't the alcohol that was it like i finally found like, what wow, i want what's this stuff yeah <laughs> right. what's this stuff right <laughs> yeah. um but so it was kind of like here and there i started getting into like the huge rave scene down here mm-hmm. i know i look back at on it now it's so embarrassing but <laughs> it's fine well is this still high school yep okay so, so <laughs> yeah right. so throughout high school i would come down here because i mean there's nothing in a small town so i was down here all the time oh, okay um and then it got into acid ecstasy like all just those super party drugs um, and that also became like just chasing my, that next high and just yeah. wanting something more every time. And pretty soon that became not enough for me anymore. And it became really frustrating because I'm like, no, like this makes me feel good. But then when that feeling would die, I'd be so confused. Yeah. Like this has been working for me for so long. Right. Um, and so throughout high school, that's just kind of what I did. Every time I drank, I drank to black out. Every time I did drugs, I did drugs to get as high as possible. Right. Um, and I pushed away from a lot of my really good friends and clung to my significant other. That was not good for me. Right. The toxic person. Um, no matter how much my friends tried to say, like, are you blind? Yeah, like, what what's doing? going on? And, yeah. you know, I just gravitated towards this toxic, like, super dependable relationship and blocked everybody out and continued to do what I was doing. Right. You know, I didn't want to listen to anybody. Yeah. And the more and more strict that my parents got, the more I was like, I'm going the other way, right? Um, which is not their fault by any means, <laughs> but you know, yeah, they're trying just, to stop this. Yeah. And you're like, well, but I was in that mindset yeah. of like, you're not going to tell me what to do. And I'm yeah. on my own, you know? And, um, did you find yourself through this high school experience going through all this? Did you feel still feel depressed? And, you know, may, especially when you weren't doing those things, did you feel like, again, that less than feeling and, you know, life's hard. Life sucks. I, yeah. Like you said, I can't wait for the weekend so I can get out of here. And Yeah. No, for sure. I honestly, like if I wouldn't have been on my dance team and still had that little piece of something that I loved, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have made it through high school, wow. to, in all honesty. Really? Um, just because that was the only thing that kept me going to school and kept my grades up was because I couldn't dance if I didn't get good grades. Okay. So it was like... I feel like if I if I wouldn't have had that one passion throughout high school, I would have been doomed a long time ago. Um, but I still, throughout the whole experience, my depression got worse. And then I was on like three different types of medications and I didn't even know what they did or if they were even helping because I didn't obviously see a change, you know. And then I'd have those like glimmering thoughts of like, you know, if I was gone, would anybody even miss me? Oh, you wow. know, I, yeah. I, I know, I know other people have felt like that where it's just like, yeah. it's a terrible place to be in. But like the thoughts come by of just like, is it even worth it? Like, I don't feel, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like I belong anywhere. I don't have my place. I've distanced yeah. myself from all my friends. I'm completely codependent on one person that I can't seem to cut from my life, you know? So it just, it was just like spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. And my senior year, um, excuse me um I ended up having like a hip injury in dance Mm -hmm. um and of course the first thing they gave me was Lortab and after doing all these party drugs and drinking for so long I got the taste of opiates and I was like oh okay like I don't want to have these crazy party drugs where I feel like super high all the time I love how I feel low and really numb you know and I didn't have even that. It was like a week that I was on those. Like it wasn't even that long, but it was really bad. And I got that taste and I felt like that's all I wanted anymore. You know, I didn't want the drinking. I didn't want the anything else. Like that's what I wanted. That's what did the trick for me. And um, my boyfriend and my sister at the time were doing heroin, which I knew. And I kind of thought about it all the time here I am doing every other drug, but that one is off limits. Yeah. I'm not going to do that one, one, but (laughs) I'm above that one. Yeah. I'm above. I'm not as bad as you guys (laughs) because you guys are doing this. And yeah. So I eventually obviously got involved in that scene. Um, 
and was this after high school when you started doing heroin um this was about a month before i graduated okay so still senior end of yeah, senior end year. of senior year okay um and luckily like my dance career was over so that really set in too mm-hmm. um was like now what i want to what do i want to do right yeah who am i now yeah because you know everyone expects you to have your life planned out and it, that's yeah. just not how it goes yeah. and you know i didn't have money to go to school i didn't have you know i tried out for dance scholarships and applied to weaver state i was planning because i wanted to get out of the out of evanston i knew if i stayed there like i was going to get in trouble i knew that things weren't going to go well for me if i didn't get out and i justified that like oh like your my drug problem's not going to follow me you know or my (laughs) alcohol problems aren't going to follow me leave that all behind yeah if i just get up and leave (laughs) i'll be fine yeah and um i remember everyone just putting so much pressure like what are you going to do oh well you should work and save up for school and then go to school and it just was like so overwhelming and again that like depression and anxiety just went like in full force just like i have nothing left everyone has their life planned out everybody's going their separate ways i'm stuck here i can't get out of here so then i just felt more stuck than anything and the depression everything just kind of took over um which was really hard and a really like dark time in my life and um that's when my right after i graduated i dove more into heroin and you know within it it didn't even take like more than a few weeks for me to already feel the physical withdrawals from it because I was doing it every day and it just was because of that that overwhelming feeling of self-doubt and like yeah being stuck in my depression like that was the only thing that made it just like calm down for a minute right you know and calm my head down because my head just like goes crazy when I get in those moments it just it won't stop you know and that was the only thing that would stop it and um so real quick do your parents at this point know that there's an issue going on here with you i mean (laughs) (laughs) again i think i hit it really well but i didn't um (laughs) i my mom definitely didn't okay my mom's always kind of been i think not necessarily oblivious but even if there was something really bad i think it's it's hard for her to like realize like, no, she would never be like, yeah, think that because I don't want it to be true. Right. Exactly. I think a lot of parents do that, you know, where they're like, oh, I, yes, I know there's something going on, but I don't want to know because Mm -hmm. if I don't know, then it won't be as bad. Oh, for sure. That's her to a T just like, I know there's something wrong, but I'm too afraid to ask because maybe I won't, won't want to know the answer. Right. Um, but my dad definitely knew he thought it could have been like weed or maybe pills he just knew that i wasn't i wasn't myself right okay and um i never really got into marijuana at all just because i was on the dance team and we got drug tested so i would do the drugs that would get out of your system really quickly Quickly, yeah so that was never my thing i did it here and there if it was in front of me i was kind of like the garbage disposal that anything you put in front of me i will just you know take in but that was one thing that i tried to like stay away from and i didn't like it i liked getting as blacked out as possible you can't really do that with that drug so it's like that wasn't for me um but i remember that summer when i was in like full force of using every single day all day um withdrawing terrible if i didn't have my fix every day um i remember one of the days i fell asleep um at, at my parents house in front of one of those portable like heater Oh yeah. Things. Uh-huh. Um, cause I was cold cause I was withdrawing and I was freezing and I remember curling up next to it, next to it with my arms in front of it. And I just passed out cause I had done heroin right before. Right. And so it made me pass out. And I remember waking up and I had bubbles on my arm. Like I was literally blistering from, from being heat. so close to the heater oh, wow. and like cooking my arm basically. And I was so out of it that I didn't feel it. Right. And I remember waking up. I had, I was like having a dream that something was like biting me or something. And that's what it took for me to like wake up out of it and look down. And I had blisters like all over my arm. And I remember my dad the next day was like, you were that asleep to not realize that you were in front of a heater and your arm was getting cooked. Cooked. And that was like what I knew, like, oh crap. Like he knows something is going on, obviously. Right. Yeah. 
normal people would wake up during that. Yeah, like, ow, this yeah, is like, hurting, this is but really you hurt. slept through it. Yeah, so that was, like, my first indication that, like, he knew because yeah. he gave me this look, like, there's no way that yeah. this is happening. Like, something is going on with you. And so that kind of freaked me out because I was like, oh, no, like, I shouldn't have done that because I had to, like, have them help me, like, bandage my arm up, and it was terrible. And, yeah, so that was my first indicator. Okay. <laughs> but, my, again, my mom was kind of right. not really... Okay. You know, even if my dad suggested it, she would probably be like, no, there's no way. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, so throughout that summer, that's just that's what I did all day, every day. And we were down here like every day because that's where we would get everything from stuff from. and And slowly I started to get into that lifestyle of lying to everybody I know, you know, um, stealing, doing things I you know, you always say, like, I, I would never do that. Yeah. And then you get to that point and then you're like, oh, well, I would never do that. And it just like that boundary keeps getting pushed, pushed and pushed. Yeah. yeah. Until finally I was like, what am I doing? And I remember um, towards the end of my using, I, my brother had this, um, this little stash of money that he would save from like mowing lawns or whatever right. it was. Yeah in his like sock drawer and I was fiending so bad and I was withdrawing so bad and I needed my fix and I remember I went downstairs into his bedroom and I was like okay I'm gonna take this 20 I'm gonna replace it though like I I I feel terrible about this but I'm gonna replace it like I didn't have a job I didn't have any money like right (laughs) you know I'd already been stealing things anyway for my fix so it's like and I remember I walked out got into the car and was starting to drive away and I just like burst into tears Cause I was like, cause my little brother was like super special to me and for me to like get down to that point of stealing from, stealing from him, like the one person who works really hard. He's like this 10 year old kid. Right. And I'm like stealing from his like hard earned saved money. Like what am I doing? You know? And I, I I had stolen from like worse people, but that was the one that was like, that hit you the most. yeah, Yeah. It just made me realize like I was in a really bad place where I didn't expect myself to end up. Right. right? But, um, it was over Thanksgiving. Um, and this story is always hard for me to talk about, but, um, me and my sister at this point, um, were full blown heroin addicts. Um, and thank God we never use needles because I don't think either of us would have, been here if that was the case yeah wouldn't have made it um but me and her we'd see each other every day about because we'd pick up from the same people or we you know there's kind of like this group that obviously you know who uses and Evanson who doesn't and I remember we'd see each other every day and we hated each other I mean my sister had always been really close and we just absolutely hated each other we didn't want anything to do with each other just because interesting the dynamic was like, no, this is my stuff, not your stuff. Like you can get your own stuff. Like it just became this like super toxic, Yeah. I mean, addiction. Yeah, um, right. And I remember it just, our relationship just completely diminished during all of it. And over Thanksgiving, um, we went out to Colorado for my, for my dad's side of the family lives out there. So we were going okay. out there for Thanksgiving and, um, I remember we were both just not wanting to go because like we didn't have enough money to buy enough to last us this whole trip. Right. right? And so I'm like, no, you're not touching what I brought because like (laughs) you need to bring your own stuff. And I remember she was like, no, I'm going to quit. So she took it to the box in right before was like, I'm going to quit while we're on this trip. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Have fun with that. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm not, I brought stuff. And, um, I remember she started to withdraw really bad and um she was like 90 pounds at this point like 89 90 pounds Jeez. just teeny tiny yeah. um and she has like severe asthma and um throughout the night she couldn't breathe because her her body just physically could not handle the withdrawals anymore right um so my parents took her to the hospital um in boulder and was um they couldn't figure out what it was they were like is it an asthma attack is it like we don't understand like your kidneys are shutting down like they just like could not figure out what it was 
but of course she wasn't being honest, honest about it yeah. because my mom was with her the whole time so she's not going to admit that she's a heroin addict in front of my mom who has no clue um and i remember waking up the next morning because we were supposed to leave the next morning and i thought that she would just get like an asthma treatment and then right. we we're on our way home because yeah. i was out of my stuff so it was time to go home because i was out of my st- my stash Your for the stash, time right, right. <laughs> and right. um I remember waking up the next morning and I was like, okay, so are we ready to go? My dad's like, no, we almost lost your sister in the middle of the night. Like she's in the ICU. Like she's hanging on by a thread. Like we need to go down there. Oh, wow. And I, and I just like my heart sank like, oh my gosh. Cause you know, you never really wake up till something like that happens really. Yeah. Um, and I remember telling him like, you got to get me to the hospital right now. And he didn't understand what the rush was. He's like, no, they're taking good care of it. We'll go down there like in a few hours. I'm like, no, you need to take me right now. Cause like I needed to tell the doctors what was going on because she wasn't being honest and they couldn't help her because like they had no clue. And I remember going down there and I pulled the doctor and the nurse aside and my mom and dad were kind of like, what is going on? Like, why is she pulling the doctor and the nurse away? And I told them and they were like, Oh my gosh, like we've been giving her stuff that could be making this worse. Like really because they did a blood test, but they obviously didn't check for that because she wasn't honest. Right. And, um, (laughs) my the doctor was just like we need to tell your parents i'm like no (laughs) because you just need to fix her and we're gonna go home because i'm out of my stuff like we need to get home and he was like we can't like we need to tell them what's going on and of course like in that mindset i was like then that means they're gonna find out about me this is gonna be horrible and the doctor's like we're gonna sit in there with you it's gonna be fine and i was just so scared because i knew like the reality was gonna be hitting everybody yeah and I'll never forget it. And this is part of like what keeps me sober today is that moment. And I remember pulling my parents into the room with the doctor. And I told her, I was like, look, Hannah's a heroin addict. She's been a heroin addict for quite some time. And I just remember my mom screamed just mm. so loud and collapsed to the floor. Like wow. she just didn't even know. Right she would never expect that. Right. Right, And it just like tore her apart. And my dad just looked at me. My dad didn't even say anything. He just looked at me like, what? Like Like he couldn't even say anything just in shock. He couldn't, he couldn't say anything. Like, what do you say to that? Right. Right. And then they were like, is this what's been going on with you? I'm like, no, not at all. (laughs) Like I tried to deny it so bad because I like didn't, I wanted to keep doing what I was doing. I wanted them to save my sister, but I didn't want to stop what I was doing. Like I just did this to save her life and that's all that I was intending to do. And um, so basically everybody like the cat's out of the bag at that point and it crushed everyone, obviously. Um, And then I obviously had to be upfront about me because I wasn't getting a job. I was gone before they woke up and I was back before they or like after they'd gone to bed. So right. they're like, something's going on what with you. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they kind of found out about me at that point. And luckily after I told the doctor, they were able to help her and get her in the condition to transport her to treatment down here. Um, and of course this whole time I'm withdrawing. It's terrible. Yeah. And of course I'm getting like the blunt end of it. Like Hannah's in a hospital bed. Everyone's like really worried about her. Like, we just want her to be okay. We need you to save her life. And everyone's like, kind of like to me, like, oh, you're the piece of shit. That's like, you know, like it all kind of came down on me, which at that point, I mean, I totally deserved it at the, at that time I was like feeling totally like a victim. I know. I'm like, um, it's her too. Just cause she's in the hospital. Right. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I was in a terrible mindset at that point, but, um, I remember when when they first went in there to tell her like we know about the heroin and she was hooked up to all these machines and everything and the only thing she did was lift up her hand and point to me like, and like her too really? and I was so mad we joke about it all the time now because I was like <laughs> I save your life you throw me under the bus I was like right so at the time I just the was time, so you were probably upset really upset yeah and, and, and everyone in the room knew why she was pointing at you. Yeah. Wow. So it was it was a really rude awakening. Um, yeah. And we joke about it all the time because I was like, I saved your life. And immediately you just threw me <laughs> under the bus and didn't help right. me at all get through it. Right. And um, but yeah, she ended up coming straight from Colorado to treatment. And um, 
after we we drove straight through Evanston we didn't stop because we were like my parents were like if we stop she's gonna take off we need to just drive her straight down here to treatment right yeah and I remember driving home after that and waking up the next day and my sister uh, other sister oldest sister and her Mm -hmm. husband um and my parents and my little brother on the couch in the morning when I came out and I was like oh no intervention time yeah Yeah. because like now that we've dealt with hannah what are we going to do with you yeah and they didn't really know how bad it was they were like maybe we should try to take you to therapy and you know because i hit it i mean i like to say that i hit it but like (laughs) i don't think they really knew the magnitude of yeah they knew something where i was at yeah yeah um just because i didn't end up in a hospital bed they were like right maybe you just need some therapy but they didn't know anything about recovery or like they didn't know anything about addiction really you know and I remember I just took off. I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, I don't need therapy. You right. know, I was super against therapy. Like, sure. I've never been an open person at all. Mm-hmm. And to open up about super sensitive stuff or like my depression, like that's right. what kept me in that spot for so long is because yeah. I never talked about never it. Talked and about it. Right. that's how I've been my whole life. Like I've been a hard shell to crack for sure. Mm. And so I'm like, I am not about to sit and tell somebody about my feelings when like <laughs> I could be getting high right now. Right. Um, How old are you at this point? I was 18. 18. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after that, my sister was in treatment. I took off. I went with my boyfriend. We were kind of couch surfing different places. So we're kind of homeless. <laughs> Just like, so you, when you say take off, you left basically kind of the family for a while. Yeah. So, uh, I just was like, I can't deal with you. And like my family at that point made me super anxious too. Because like, I don't know what to do. They're super religious people. They just found out like the most horrible thing about their daughter. Like I already felt like super less than anyway. But then finding out about that, I even felt worse about myself. Yeah. And like where I put myself in the relationships I had ruined along the way. And the trust that was out the window. So I already felt like weird around them and not okay right right (laughs) you know i just felt like a (laughs) terrible person and i didn't want to feel like that you know and so i took off for about a month um and i i um they shut off my phone and everything and so honestly like my parents didn't know if i was okay or anything and i was still in evanston but like i was just crashing from place to place and um i remember one of the nights like the night before i called my dad um or i called my mom and i um i was literally taking a hit of heroin just bawling but i was still doing it right but i was just bawling while i was doing it and i was like what is my problem like this is making you feel so terrible what you're doing and yet you can't put it down and that's where i kind of realized like i need help you know Cause I never really understood help. I thought treatment was stupid. I didn't, right. I didn't understand well, it. That, you know, yeah. like Most I just was like the idea of like AA or like anything like that in my hometown is like a sketchy trailer park meeting <laughs> with a bunch of meth heads walking in. So I just was like, this is not for me. That's yeah. And so I remember that night I just kind of was like, I need help. Like just i can't even sit here i'm doing drugs but bawling at the same time can't yeah. figuring out why i i'm still doing it <laughs> like i just could not it just was boggling my mind that i couldn't stop and i remember calling my mom and just telling her like look i need help like i don't i have nowhere else to go and yeah. you know at this point i had burned every bridge of multiple friends that let me sure. stay with them and they yeah. were like no like you're not having that stuff in my house and then they'd They'd welcome me into their home. They'd find out what was really happening. And then they'd kick me to Maybe the like curb. Get out. Yeah. yeah. So at that point I'd ruined even more relationships. So that depression, everything else, like the only thing that made me feel even remotely okay was doing drugs. And, yeah. um, I remember that call. She was like, you're only allowed to come home if you go to treatment. Like you're not staying in this house. Right. Like as long as you are committed to go. Committing to doing it. And yeah. at that point, like I didn't have anywhere else to go. And so, and I knew I needed help, but I kind of didn't really realize what I was saying yes to, you know, like I needed, I knew I needed it, but like, (laughs) I don't know if I should fully commit yet. Yeah. And so of course I was like, okay, like I'll do it, whatever you want. And I came home and (laughs) the next couple days were so rough because I would, um, I would take off like throughout the day. And my mom at this point had had to quit her job. 
because oh, it was just so overwhelming for her, for her yeah. while my sister was in treatment and dealing with it and not knowing where I was or if I was alive or whatever. And so she was home all day, which I didn't know that. So I'm like, when I went home, I just thought I'd have the house to myself. And You're like, what are you doing? Yeah, here? like, wait, I thought I was here by myself. <laughs> right. And yeah, the next couple of days were rough. And I remember the last time I took off and then came home, my dad's truck was running with suitcases in the back. And they were like, we're taking you tonight. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, no, I like, like no. and this was short, like a few days before Christmas. Oh, okay. Um, in December of 2012. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not ready. Like we have to stay a couple more days. My birthday's January 1st. So I was like, I got to celebrate my birthday. Right. They're like, celebrate what birthday? What Christmas? Like, yeah, your sister's in treatment. And like our family is and not you're dying good. And, yeah. Like, you know, you look terrible. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? But, you know, I think that reality set in like, I will wasn't going to get high anymore and i think it just scared me and right that's when i came to wasatch um they drove me down to salt lake we stayed at my grandparents house and i was a mess all night i just was like because not only was i being taken away from the drug i was being taken away from my like super codependent relationship that i was like i can't do this like it just was horrible and um (laughs) the next day we came to wasatch recovery and Mm -hmm. mark Right. was here because uh-huh. um, they did a special occasion for me to admit me on a Saturday because they were like, she yeah, won't they, make it till Monday. Like, you need yeah, to come in on like, a Saturday. We need her in now. Yeah. yeah. And I remember <laughs> they left me in the room with Mark and we kind of fought a little bit back and forth. I'm like, I'm not staying here. They're like, uh, well, it's either here or you're out on the streets. Like, we're, you're not coming home yeah, with us anymore. Pick. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And uh, finally, when they convinced me to stay, they shut me in the office with Mark and he's like, so they said 30 days, but I'm going to put you down for 45. I think you're going to need at least 45 days. Right. And I snapped at him. I was like, <laughs> you better put 30 on that paper because paper, I'm out of here at 30 days. Like, right. I'm going to be here for 30 days. I just need to clean up a little bit and then I'm out of right. here. And uh, 90 days later, almost, <laughs> I was wow. still here. Still here. Because, yeah. you know, at that point, like... I was at such a low point. Like my hair was falling out. My skin was gray. Like I just looked horrible. And here I am thinking like, I look okay. But (laughs) after 30 days, like, you know, the, the light started to come back on and the fog started to go away. And that feeling of like, I mean, obviously my depression was still really bad because not now I had the substance taken away and that was my, you know, my blanket for so long of like numbing myself and now I kind of had to feel and I had to feel all those feelings and um my relationship with my family was a struggle (laughs) yeah just because like what do you say to them like besides sorry like sorry's not gonna you know sorry not gonna do it yeah there's nothing you can really say other than prove it and do it and you know prove and and get their trust back and (laughs) we did one family therapy session okay um <laughs> and it was a total nightmare um dave was my therapist okay and yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> and i'll joke because i i'm sure my sister's gonna listen to this but i joke my older sister serena is her name okay um she's been like a perfect child never done anything <laughs> wrong and then there's like me and hannah who just like ruined it <laughs> and i remember she was in town for christmas and so they came Uh, My parents were supposed to come for a therapy session, but they brought her. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. Like, I already knew when she walked in because I was not expecting her. I was like, this is going to be ugly. I just know. And (laughs) I give her so much crap about it Uh now. But I remember I wasn't talking because, like, I didn't know what to say. Right. And um, I remember uh, Dave was like, why are you talking? Are you afraid you're going to, like, disappoint them? And she just snapped and was like well, you can't really disappoint him more than you already have. So you might as well just say something. And I just like looked at Dave and he was like, get out. And he kicked me out and he did the session without me. Really? (laughs) Because it was just like, (laughs) he knew this is not going to go well. This is not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. And I gave her crap about it because at the time I was like, oh, I'm such a victim. And I, you know, but really like I totally deserved it. Sure, sure. And I was not in a good place and not being a good daughter or sister or showing up. So like, now I understand where that feeling came from. Right. But um, now I call my sister five times a day. We're right. super close. I babysit her kids. Like it's wow. just 180 wow. difference. So 
amazing what you went through. Um, so you so you go you're here almost ninety days at Wasatch mm-hmm. recovery, and then after that, talk a little bit about you know you leave here. I mean, and obviously you worked on a bunch of stuff. Did you when you left? Did you feel like you had a handle on your depression and the anxiety piece? Give us a little background on that, and then how you you know moved forward from that point. Um, I did to a point. Um, when I was here, um, we got taught a lot of different tools to like handle things like that. Right. Um, where, like I said, from a very young age, I've had this and no one ever really told me how to deal yeah, with it. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's super common, but never, no one ever really explains it to you. All they do is just give you medication to kind of cover it up and not really like go down to what it, really what's really really happening and like explain it to you and like give you tools to work on it and um after i left here i felt like i had a whole book full of you know just small things to do every day yeah and i created a community here you know i had a family here the people i was in treatment with because you go through hard things when you're in treatment with someone so like it brings you close together and after I left, I got super involved in like AA and CA and um, that's where I found like a community. And right. because I couldn't go back to my old people, friends, like um, I wouldn't have done very well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, as much as you want to, you realize yeah. that's not going to be the best thing for your recovery. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and the first like probably like six months or so after I left here my family relationship was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less, you know, just because the trust wasn't there. You know, every time I walked out the door, my mom was terrified because she didn't know what I was doing. Like, you know, or I'd be like, I'm going to an AA meeting. And she's like, I don't want you associating with those types of people. Like what could happen? Like she just had no clue or like like, no understanding. I'm one of those people. I know that. I know. I'd always (laughs) have to point it out. Like, remember your daughter is one of these people like that you talk about. And now she like, totally different yeah, about no, it. But I, I've met your mom when you came here and shared with the whole group at Christmas time and brought gifts. And that was awesome by the way. Well, but, but I got to meet your mom. So that was well, really thanks. cool. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, I know how it is to be in here over the holidays. So it's, <laughs> yes, it's do. not fun. So I'm like, if I can give back yeah. in any way, but yeah. So after that I created a community. Um, yeah. I'm not super involved in like AA and CA anymore because I've built a life, you know, yes. I've built, relationships that I'm going to have for the rest of my Mm -hmm. life. I've built a community of people that I can call no matter what time of the day and they'll answer, which even growing up through like high school, like, yeah, I had good friends, but like I never had relationships like I have now. Right. And I think it's because I removed that piece and brought myself worth up so much that I, I can now like form relationships like that where before I couldn't even form them because I felt so terrible (laughs) about myself that like, yeah, you know, you can't really have healthy relationships when you feel that terrible about yourself and your self-worth and it's sure. so low, you know, there's no way to really mend that, I guess. And so I've created, I created a community. Um, I That's came awesome. and worked here yep. at Wasatch for a while, which was honestly saved my life Yeah, because it allowed me to like have people's eyes on me all the time because yeah. I was like, I can't mess up because I work here. Yeah. It's a good motivator. And- yeah. And I asked, um, as a very scary woman <laughs> to sponsor me who has just been like my rock. Right. Um, she calls me on everything, <laughs> yeah. which my mom's, my mom's adorable. She's an enabler. And like, <laughs> I needed someone that was like very right. stern with me. And I, that's whose wedding I'm going to in Costa Rica next week. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah look, good place to have a wedding. Right? <laughs> yeah, You're I know. Like, so exciting. it's like something like that. I formed yeah. a relationship six and a half years ago that yeah. I'm now, going to her wedding in Costa Rica. Like I just have these long lasting relationships and I have a healthy relationship that I've been in for two years now, which is crazy for me because I swore off (laughs) everybody, everything like none of that, you know, and it's just crazy. Like the 180 I've done. It is amazing. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if people could see you and what you're doing after what you had been through, it's really, it truly is a miracle, honestly. Um, what what would you say your belief system about yourself is now? I mean, because you said as you were growing up, you kind of felt less than, you know, kind of an outcast a little bit. You didn't fit in. Right. What would you say your belief system is now? Um, it's a. I mean, it can still be a struggle for me. Okay. Um, 
because you know there's always that that next obstacle right so like Mm -hmm. right now i'm at the university of utah the business college so like i always get worried like i'm not good enough to do this like this is really hard and but now i know how to like flip that switch and be like no you're killing it you're doing good like just keep going and i think the biggest thing for me and my beliefs now is just like i've learned to not give up which before like yeah I would just give up and immediately go back to that dark place. Wow, that's awesome. And now it's like, if I get thoughts like that, I just try to shut them down. Or I voice it to my sisters who I have a really good relationship with, my parents or whoever, you know, I voice like, I don't feel good enough to do this or I feel worried about this. And now I've got like people to like build me up. So even when I still can get in that mode, I can, I have people to lift me up today, which is crazy. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. So, so you're currently at school now at the business, uh, up the business program up at the university of Utah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you've been doing a lot of traveling. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know how to say this because I mean, I know a lot of the listeners don't know you, but it's like to see you, how happy you are and what you're doing. It's amazing. I mean, you're also into photography. Is that correct? Yeah. So (laughs) that's always been like another passion of mine. I I started doing that in high school. Um, And of course, like drugs and other things took over. So I (laughs) kind (laughs) of didn't get involved in it. And like the past probably like four or five years, I've gotten really into it. Um, I just shot a wedding last week. I'm shooting part of the wedding in Costa Rica. Really? So now I'm kind of building like a side business, I guess you would say. But it's also one of my big passions is traveling and photography. And it's cool that like I have those because I lost my passions and my yeah everything throughout the years. Throughout and that now stuff, that it's yeah. coming back, it's really cool. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I could talk to you all day. I have a couple <laughs> more questions for you that if, you know, if there's someone out there that's listening to your story right now and it's just like, man, I need help. I'm, I'm kind of struggling where you were at or they have a family member or a or a daughter that's going through what you're going through, what advice would you give and what, you know, what, what could you tell them? Ask for help. <laughs> and that yeah. sounds super easy, but I, I mean, if you ask anybody that knows me, I am the last person to ask for help. <laughs> like right. I don't, I don't want to be a burden, right. but you have to get over that and ask for help. Speak it. Even if you just say it out loud, Start with saying it out loud, like I need help or, you know, I'm feeling these thoughts today. Like if you say it out loud, it takes some of the power away. What I've noticed over the years and voicing it or reaching out to someone and saying, look, which I know it's a lot easier said than done, but start starting off with saying stuff out loud and reaching out. And like I said, just don't give up because a lot of times when you're in that place, it's easy to. Yeah, for sure. That's great advice. I've never really heard it said that way. That's beautifully said. Just even say it out loud by yourself just so you hear yourself saying it. Yeah. I need help. I you don't realize that. how crazy something sounds until you say it out loud. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Like when I have the, all these horrible thoughts, until I said them out loud, I never realized how nuts it was for me to even be thinking those things wow. about myself or whoever it was. But it's it's insane how much power can get taken away from that. Yeah. You know? Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, if real quick, I mean, how long have you been clean now? Um, my sobriety date's December twenty second, two thousand twelve, so about six and a half years. Wow, I know, that is so cool. It's flown by for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, and what I love what you said even earlier that you're now you're like, I mean, you you did what you had to do with these programs and stuff, but now you're just out living your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, you know, I deal with a lot of clients. The ultimate goal is we never want to see you again. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, and and I'm glad you've even detached even from Wasatch. Not that you're, but but it proves that you're actually just living your life. You're living uh, what you should be doing. I know. I, I, I had to get rid of my, my cushion. I your had cushion, to like, yeah. you know, like the finally become blanket. an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's been... It's been interesting. It's kind of crazy. Like even just trying to schedule this, I'm like, I, know. I have this life that I'm apparently busy or like I'm in Greece or here. <laughs> I'm like, what is, this isn't my life. I this know. is not supposed to be my I life. I love it. I don't deserve it. <laughs> I know. And that was one of the things I was thinking of. Like, I, you know, I thought, oh, okay, I'll book Sam really quick. No, 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 no. <laughs> She's living her life. She's busy, got things going. So um, it's really, really cool to see that. 
Um, if there's someone out there hearing your story right now that would love to get in touch with you or ask you a question, if you're open to it, what would be a good way for them to, you know, reach out to you? Um, I, I have, I'm on social media. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I also am willing to provide my email. Um, yeah, I don't great. know if you, yes, please. Um, so my email is Samantha. Do you want me to spell it? Yeah. It's S A M A N T H A dot Ray, which is R A E and dot my last name Sund S U N D at gmail.com. Great. And I'm more than happy to answer any questions or if they need someone to be the voice for them. I mean, people, many people did it for me. So wow, that's cool. Yeah. So cool. Well, um, I have to say I'm really, I'm really blown away about how well you've done. You know, I, like I said, I think I met you after you'd been probably clean close to year and a half, two years almost. And, uh, but to see how you've just stuck with it and you really truly have had set some goals, you've, you've moved on and you're just doing some amazing things and you're going to continue doing that. Um, I just, I, it's my honor to have you on this today well, and thank it's inspiring you. and, uh, I hope you know how much I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you for having me. I know that this is huge. You know, if anybody needs to hear it, I mean, having this available for people is yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, Right. Well, really thank cool. you so much, Sam. You're amazing. And thank you for being you and for being willing to be vulnerable and share your story with us. Well, thank you for having me. You bet. <laughs> well, there you go, everybody. What an another amazing story of overcoming some obstacles in life. And, and I love what you said. Um, you learn to never give up. So <clears throat> chokes me up. But if you're out there and you're struggling, don't give up and do what Sam said. Say it out loud if you're struggling. Just, I need help. Say it out loud and then grab that phone. Go to the next room. Knock on your brother or sister's door. Hey, I need help. Will you please get help me get there? And, and please reach out to Sam if you have any questions. She would love to do it. I know it. And you'd be inspired by her like I have been. So thank you for your time. And again, Sam, thanks so much. Thank you.